episode of dynasty after dark i'm your host calvin timms find me over on twitter at tdc underscore calvin and i hopefully can make it through this whole episode feel kind of like crap right now i went to the colts game on saturday colts against patriots that was a great game super fun Uh, it's always crazy to me how different it is being in stadium versus watching it on tv it's just the time flies the first half was over in almost no time flat it felt like And yeah, the way that you're just, when you're watching a play and you're like, man, it feels like that play went forever and it's only like three yards. It it really changes when uh, it's not like a third of your screen, right? Because they only show 10 yards at a time. It's really different in the stadium and it was a lot of fun. So uh, it kind of stinks that the Patriots weren't able to get a victory in that one. But, you know, the... uh, the Colts, they're they're rolling right now. They are a playoff caliber team. Our offense was garbage in this game. And yeah, I'm interested to see if we meet up again in the playoffs because I think both teams are headed for the playoffs. I don't think the Patriots are going to get the number one seed. Uh, it's probably going to be the Chiefs. But yeah, I, I think both of these teams are going to get to the playoffs and whether they can play each other again is going to be the question and what will happen when they do play each other again. I think the Colts are now above the Titans in standings, uh, or they're one, they might be tied, and they're technically lower just because of the tiebreakers that the Titans have. But yeah, the Colts are definitely gaining on the Titans, and they are hoping to take that division. And I think that they they have very good chance to do so. So we'll see how that goes as we move forward into the last couple of weeks here. But that's not why you guys are here. You guys are here to hear how last week went in the ERI Dynasty League. And I've never been one to really drag things out. I'm not great at building suspense. Uh, To me, I just like to get to the point. So I'm going to try to build some suspense in my matchup against Eric last week um, and slowly reveal who the winner was, all the guys in the league know who it is already, but anybody that's not part of the league, I'm going to break it down for you and kind of uh, walk you through the process. So in the one matchup, we had James versus Rick, and Rick is coming off a super hot week. He had Dalvin Cook, Najee Harris, uh, Javante Williams, David Montgomery, basically all blow up. Hunter Renfro, his whole team did really, really well. He was the highest scorer last week. Um, He had like 180 points or so. And he just absolutely demolished Braid, knocked him out of playoffs, secured his own playoff spot by doing so. And going into the matchup against James, he was the heavy, heavy favorite going into this one. But the way it turned out on paper, uh, James got out to an early lead and Rick was just never able to catch up. And if you've listened to any other podcast so far, they have all talked about how weird of a week Week 15 was, it was one of the the oddest weeks in terms of just fantasy football in years, like 20, 30 years or so, um, because there was just a record low number of touchdowns scored, uh, lots of turnovers, good teams played bad, bad teams played well. Uh, It was just kind of a mess for fantasy. So if you had a really good week like Dan did on the bench, um, he, Dan's team is just ridiculous. It blew up while not playing anybody, so a good thing nobody was playing him and he had a bye, 
But the fact that James only had 111 points is it shouldn't be that shocking just because of how bad of a week it was. But Rick's team ultimately just did not show up in this matchup. Uh, he only got 75 points, so he is eliminated from the top four. He goes down to play for the fifth pick uh, in the in the league. And the way that our league is set up is that um, instead of assigning the fifth and sixth place, whoever wins that matchup in the fifth and sixth bracket will get the fifth pick in the draft. To, so kind of a incentive to play your roster next week and, and really go out to win it. So Rick is going to be playing for the fifth and sixth pick next week. James moves on into the top four, into the money. Top four get their money back in our league. So it was a, uh, I felt so nervous for James because I did recommend the Cardinals defense up against Detroit, but Detroit came out on fire, lit the Cardinals up, and uh, just absolutely decimated their defense. Meanwhile, he benched the Saints defense to play the Cardinals, and the Saints, of course, held Brady out to a, a shutout. He scored no points. They had like five sacks in this game, outscored the Cardinals defense by 10 points. If he would have lost, I would have felt so bad. But uh, James ultimately got the win, and he locks up the top four. Now, on the other side, me against Eric, it is uh, <laughs> it was a close one, to say the least. Uh, the, the difference in this one is 1.1 points, and it literally came down to a final catch by a certain player. So going into this one, it just was, it was neck and neck. Um, we had back and forth games. It started off on Thursday with myself having Keenan Allen play. He got almost 20 points. Meanwhile, Eric had Mike Williams only get him 7.9 points. So I already got off to an early lead in this one. Saturday rolls around. Neither of us had anybody playing in the Saturday game. Sunday rolls around 1 o'clock. We've got Amari Cooper versus C.D. Lamb. Uh, I outscore him there, but he's got Josh Allen. Just absolutely go crazy. Puts up 20 points there. Brandon Cooks puts up 30 points. Um, so he's kind of he's kind of definitely caught up. I'm I'm playing catch up at that point. Um, he's got a definite lead on me. I had Devontae Parker do pretty well, and it goes into these Sunday night games. And of course, last week had all the COVID games, so all the games got pushed. Uh, there was the extra Monday game, which was the the Vegas Raiders versus the Cleveland Browns. Then there's the two Tuesday games. So going into Monday, we are, I'm basically down just a few points, right? Um, I need Foster Moreau and Josh Jacobs to not just absolutely destroy me. I'm, I'm down 10 points going into Monday. Foster Moreau goes out, gets uh, 13.5. Josh Jacobs gets 12 and a half. I'm like, oh no, now I'm down about 25 points. I need Justin Fields to try and get me something in that game just to try and close the gap because going into the Tuesday games, I have Miles Sanders and I have Dallas Goddard. And I'll, I'll also want to mention that I had Chris Godwin and Leonard Fournette in this matchup and uh, both of them got injured in the game against the Saints and they were both on pace to just absolutely destroy things. On the first two drives, they had 24 points combined And uh, yeah, they were just going to absolutely destroy it, but they both got injured. So I got no more points from them. So luckily I got 24 because like I said, it came down to every last point in this matchup. So going into Tuesday, I had Miles Sanders and Dallas Goddard. He had uh, Antonio Gibson and Matt Gay, the kicker for the Los Angeles Rams. 
He has a 10-point advantage on me going into Tuesday. Justin Fields was able to save his day by getting that last-second touchdown uh, to some unknown tight end. I don't even remember his name. Literally last play of the game. Uh, So he got a touchdown, saved his fantasy day a little bit there, got about five points on that play. And yeah, it was was neck and neck, down 10 points going into Tuesday night. The (laughs) first drive, Antonio Gibson gets about 12 and a half points. Matt Gay kicks a 50-yard field goal. I'm just like, oh, this is over. This stinks. This is this is just awful. Uh, so he instantly on the first couple, like first few minutes of uh, the Tuesday games, he gets about 17 points, widens that gap to about 27 points, right? I just absolutely lost all hope. I gave up. I thought it was over. I went to watch The Witcher with my wife. I uh, wanted to watch an episode of that. Uh, had Miles Sanders and Chris or Dallas Goddard going, and... I come back after watching an episode of The Witcher right after halftime and look at my phone and all of a sudden Dallas Goddard had about 19 points. Miles Sanders had about 17 points. And I was like, what the heck? I'm up by four points now in this matchup, three or four points. Well, they basically held Antonio Gibson to not too many more points. He ultimately got 18 and a half points, which is plenty of points, but I was up just enough Going into the Rams-Seattle game that was going simultaneously to the to the uh, Washington-Philly game, Matt Gay kicks another 50-yard field goal. He sets him up by two points, or 1.5 points, whatever it was. Last play, I thought it was over because Dallas Goddard and Miles Sanders effectively were pulled from the game. They weren't even touching the ball anymore because they were up in the game. They were just trying to bench the starters essentially because they're going to be playing again on Sunday. It's going to be a short week for them. So they were just trying to hold them um, hold them to the side to keep them healthy for this game. So I thought I was done. Dallas Goddard goes out there, catches one final pass to seal the game, basically, because it, it got a first down going into the two-minute warning, which uh, they weren't able to convert a first down after the two-minute warning. So uh, Washington got the ball back with about 10 seconds left on the play, down 10 points. So they ran one play and just walked off the field. Dallas Goddard gets a catch, puts me up 1.1 points over Eric to advance in the top four of the league. And uh, yeah, it was so neck and neck. Literally, I got saved so many times in this matchup. Justin Fields with the last second touchdown, and then the Dallas Goddard last second catch on the side. It was a nail-biter. I cannot believe I ultimately got the win in this one. Uh, After the Fournette and Godwin injuries, I am literally limping into the top four to play this week's matchup. And yeah, it was nail-biting. So good game to Eric. I am shocked that I was able to ultimately get the win in this one. But just got to say, I am pumped up and I am coming for this title. I have not gotten a win in this league yet, and I don't care if my team is half dead. I'm going to get this year's title. I'm going to find a way. I don't care if Dan's going to put up 200 points. I'm going to put up 201. I don't care. So that said, rolling into this week's matchups, I am shocked by this, and I don't really want to do anything yet because uh, I'm going to break this down, but I I wouldn't be shocked if it changes because I thought I was going to be against Dan this week because I'm the sixth seed. Dan is the one seed, so I thought that the way that our league was set up was that the sixth seed automatically played the first seed. 
But according to ESPN, I am playing Ryan this week, and that is a much easier matchup than Dan. And Dan has to play James this week, which, again, it's not a walk in the park, but James's team is probably scarier than mine in terms of uh, boom. He can probably outscore him, and uh, yeah, I was shocked by this. So if I need to get a win, Ryan is who I would much rather play to get into the top two. So we will see if I can ultimately pull out the win. But before that, I'm going to talk through the James-Dan matchup. Uh, Again, Dan's team is just ridiculous, and James has a tough road ahead of him. Already projected to be down 30 points going into this one. And yeah, it's James did get a victory earlier this year. He beat him by four points in week three, but it was an absolute spanking the second time they played in week six, uh, 200-148. So we'll see what can happen. Now, quarterbacks for James is going to be Patrick Mahomes against Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's defense is ridiculously bad. So um, if anyone's going to light up the the Pittsburgh defense, it's going to be Patrick Mahomes. This could be a get-right game for their offense. And, yeah, I am interested to see how this goes for them. Now, running backs, he's got Aaron Jones and Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Both, again, Clyde against Pitt should be amazing. Uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire might have 200 yards in this game. He's very, very good on the ground. Uh, And, yeah, the Pittsburgh defense has just been atrocious. This could be a record-breaking game for Clyde. It is a great matchup. Aaron Jones against Cleveland, not a great matchup, but he might get the volume through the passing game, which will make him just fine. Now, wide receiver-wise, I don't know if this is going to be the final two that he, well, basically the final four, because both of his flex are wide receivers. Um, I don't know if they're going to be ultimately the guys that he rolls with, but as of right now, we have Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Marquise Brown, and Deontay Johnson. Deontay Johnson against Kansas City is a smash play for me. Pittsburgh should be behind pretty much this entire game, uh, so they're going to have to run. They're going to have to throw throw the ball so many times in this game to keep up. That I love Deontay Johnson. He could have a floor of twenty points just based on literally the number of targets that he's going to get in this game. Then we got T. Higgins and Jamar Chase against Baltimore, which means Hollywood Brown is also against Cincy. So it's a it's a head to head between these two teams. Um, the question for for Hollywood is who's his quarterback? Is it going to be Lamar Jackson or is it going to be Ty Huntley? And honestly, I think that Lamar is probably better for Hollywood Brown. Um, Huntley kind of is better for himself for fantasy, but it's it's a tough call there. Now, Jamar Chase and T. Higgins, Baltimore's secondary is atrocious right now. They should be able to both feast in this matchup. Uh, it should be just fine there. It is a little risky. Again, James has been doing this for a while where he double stacks uh, a lot of players on a lot, a lot of teams. But if you look at his bench, the only thing I could possibly see him doing is swapping out Ronald Jones against Carolina for Aaron Jones. Um, Ronald Jones now without Leonard Fournette is a smash play in my opinion. I know that Carolina's got a little bit better of a run defense, but yeah, Ronald Jones just seems too easy for me in this week's matchup. Uh, I would prefer that over Aaron Jones. Again, Cleveland is a pretty good run-stopping defense, and uh, Aaron Jones is a little bit banged up right now. So he hasn't been elite the last couple of weeks, but yeah, he's got a little bit of a knee injury right now. So 
that's that's the question you have to you have to ask yourself. Do you want to win with Aaron Jones or do you want to try and take a chance on someone like Ronald Jones? Now, yeah, that is the question. I would definitely be smashing Clyde Edwards-Alaire in this matchup. Again, Pittsburgh is just too juicy of a matchup. Now on the other side, this is why Dan's team is just so stupid. It is ridiculous. He's got Aaron Rodgers at quarterback against Cleveland. Should be just fine. Aaron Rodgers has been on fire lately. He's got Jonathan Taylor against Arizona. A little bit of a tougher matchup there. Arizona's been a very good team against the run the last couple of weeks. He's got Zeke against Washington. Again, the defense has been picking it up the last couple of weeks, and Zeke has not been uh, the same. He had 16.2 points last week, but it's because of the touchdown. I mean, he's just not healthy right now. They are not giving him any rest whatsoever. So it's it's a little risky. Um, don't love that one, but... Yeah, if there was ever a week for James to pull out another victory over Dan, it would be this week. Justin Jefferson up against the Rams, which means he'll be drawing Jalen Ramsey in this matchup. The Rams is an interesting game because Justin Jefferson is elite. He is one of the best young wide receivers I've seen in a long, long time. Like Randy Moss levels good. And the Rams defense is so good. They, Kirk Cousins, whenever he gets pressured early, just falls apart. He crumples under pressure. That Rams defense is going to tear him up. Aaron Donald on the front is just going to tear him up, which means he's going to get panicked. He's going to do a lot of dumb things with the ball. Now, I don't know if that's going to impact Justin Jefferson. I think it will. I think that Kirk Cousins is going to turn it over quite a bit. He's going to get in his own head quite a bit. And I think that Jalen Ramsey is going to be able to uh, just shut down Justin Jefferson in this game. So I don't love that too much personally. I think that that's a great matchup, again, for James if he wants to win. You can't not start Justin Jefferson. He's just too good. So I get it why Dan's playing him, but I think that there is the possibility that the Rams can shut him down. Now, his second wide receiver is Cooper Cup up against Minnesota. Yeah, that's going to be a nightmare. Uh, <laughs> Cooper Cup legitimately is a league winner this year. Um, the footballers were talking about it earlier today on their episode that he is 70 points ahead of the next wide receiver, the, the wide receiver two, which is Debo Samuel. And that is just a crazy number of points. That is about, that's like seven weeks of average points for a wide receiver. That's just, he, he is having just a record season this year and it is really impressive to see. So yeah, love Cooper Cup. Minnesota will not slow him down whatsoever. Now, tight end, we've got Mike Gusecki uh, going up against New Orleans. That is a little bit tougher. The New Orleans defensive front is atrociously good. Like, uh, and that's a terrible analogy, but they're just so monstrous. We can see what they do against a, a mediocre offensive line, which was the Bucks last week. I know that they've had a good offensive line most of the season, but last week they played terribly. The On the flip side, the Miami Dolphins have had one of the worst offensive lines in the NFL all season long. That New Orleans front might actually kill Tua in this one. It, he's going to get destroyed in this game. Uh, so I, we'll see how Mike Gusecki is impacted by that. Maybe he'll be just fine. Maybe they're going to look for a lot more dump-offs and quick passes to get it out of his hand, just ASAP. But yeah, Mike Gusecki 
it's a little risky against New Orleans. Now, the flex is where it's really interesting and where this is going to be a an interesting week because we've got Tyreek Hill up against Pittsburgh. Normally a smash play, but Tyreek Hill is on the COVID list right now, so he might not even play this week. Um, it all depends whether he can get cleared before the game or not. So we won't know until about Saturday. I am going to lean on the side that he will get cleared, but whether he's fully healthy after taking the week off, whether he's fully involved, is it remains to be seen. Again, this this is the best week you have to kill Dan in fantasy. It does not get better than this. Matchup-wise and just situationally, this is the best week possible. Because the second flex that he's playing is Stephon Diggs against New England. Again, New England, pass coverage, A+. We absolutely shut down the Colts this last week. If it wasn't for Jonathan Taylor, the Colts would have lost that game, just straight up. So I think that they're going to be able to take Stephon Diggs out of this matchup, and no Tyreek Hill means that he's probably playing someone like James Robinson against the Jets, which is a pretty good matchup. Don't get me wrong. James Robinson came back last week, had a pretty good week. Um, but yeah, it, if he doesn't have both of those guys, essentially if uh, if Stephon Diggs gets just schemed completely out of this game, doesn't have Tyree Kill, has to play James Robinson, it does make it a little interesting. Dan's depth, uh, it, it's definitely hurting a little bit more this week. There's nobody on there that you're just like, yeah, I have to start these guys over someone like Stephon Diggs or Tyree Kill, which, again... Starting roster-wise, this this lineup is just insane. Uh, he's also got the Cowboys defense against Washington, which nobody knows who the quarterback is going to be, and then Justin Tucker up against Cincinnati. So it's just one of the dumbest rosters I've seen in Dynasty League in a long time. But again, if you're going to get a good week, this is the week to do it. So good luck to James. Hopefully you can make it to the playoffs, uh, or to not to the playoffs, but to the top two this week. And um, yeah, it is... Uh, if you and I can both win this week, it'll be a guaranteed new winner of the league this year because Ryan and Dan are the only two that have won the league so far. So I'm rooting for both of us. So good luck to James. It is going to be a tough task. Again, I'm, I'm pointing out the negatives on Dan's team to try and give James some hope and give him a little bit of pep to uh, to bring to this one. But I am not confident because the the negatives do not outweigh the positives of just Cooper Cup, Justin Jefferson, Jonathan Taylor, Ty Hill, Tyreek Hill, and Stephon Diggs. Like that's just so stupid to say. Oh, it it, oh, it bothers me. Start taking his trades, guys. We can't let him get away with this anymore. Now, on the flip side, going into my matchup up against Ryan, gonna be a lot tougher. Um, I am already not favored by twenty points as well. Part of that is because DeAndre Swift doesn't have any points projected so far, but we'll see if he ultimately makes it out there this week. I might pull him, but I doubt it. <sighs> we'll, we'll, we'll get to that when I get through my roster here. Now, going through Ryan's roster, he's the favorite. Uh, Dak Prescott at quarterback up against Washington, which is a good matchup. They just played a couple weeks ago. Dak has not been that good recently, but... Yeah, he had 9.9 points last time they played. He had one touchdown, two fumbles, or two uh, interceptions, not two fumbles, but not a great game for Dak last time they played. Kyler is on Ryan's bench up against Indy. Indy's defense has been on fire lately, so I can understand pulling him for that as well. 
So it'll be interesting to see how his quarterback does this week specifically. Now, running back-wise, he's got Rashad Penny and Nick Chubb as his starting two. I love Rashad going against Rashad Penny, although it says that he's favored just because DeAndre Swift has no points. But uh, um, ESPN, your rankings are so garbage. Uh, it's It's tragic. But Nick Chubb up against Green Bay. Green Bay's defense has been really good against the run the last couple weeks. Uh, last week they didn't do too well, but it was against um, Huntley, the quarterback, who was able to just escape like Lamar Jackson would have anyway. So I'm not going to hold that against them too much right there. For some reason, it's really hard for teams to really shut down the Baltimore quarterbacks. Um, you think it'd be a little bit easier seeing what they've done for like three straight years now, but yeah, it still gets to everybody. So yeah, Green Bay's run defense is is pretty good, but Nick Chubb is also pretty good. We'll see who is back for Cleveland this week, whether everybody gets cleared from COVID. It was kind of just a shit show last week because of the COVID. There was half the team missing in this game. So, uh, yeah, not not ideal, but they should be back and ready to go in this matchup. So, an interesting group of running backs right there. But where his real strength is, is the next two guys, Debo Samuel and Devontae Adams. Both great matchups, Debo against Tennessee, Devontae Adams against Cleveland. Uh, yeah, smash plays. I don't think Cleveland's going to shut down Devontae Adams too much. And then Debo has been unstoppable all season long. He's also playing George Kittle at tight end against Tennessee. Those are both Thursday night, so I'll know how big of a hole I'm in tomorrow night. But I'm just praying for George Kittle to have under 20. That's honestly uh, honestly what I'm hoping for because, yeah, yep, I don't, I don't love this. I don't love it. Make it stop. Um, all right, then the flex, we've got Odell against Minnesota, and we've got DJ Moore against Tampa Bay. DJ Moore against Tampa Bay is actually low-key pretty good. And looking at his bench, there's really nobody. Um, nobody I would I'd really start over those two guys. Uh, he's pretty banged up on his on his bench right now. Losing DeAndre Hopkins was a pretty big win for me. So Cortland Sutton again, no quarterback in Joku. Sony Michelle is kind of interesting, I guess, but it's hard to tell if he's going to get a full workload or if uh, Henderson's going to come back and get utilized more than him this week. So. Yeah, it, it's a very good lineup, don't get me wrong. But it'll be interesting to see how his team does. I think I've got a little bit of a chance to beat him at the running back position, but his strength is definitely those starting wide receivers and tight end, and uh, definitely at the flex, he's he's pretty strong as well. Now, on the flip side, my team, my broken and damaged team, walking into the playoffs with just, oh, it's just horrible. Uh, losing Leonard Fournette, losing Chris Godwin for the year. So even if uh, even if I win this one, I don't get them back for the finals. Whereas if Ryan wins, he might have Derrick Henry next week. So that's something to watch for. But yeah, the uh, the quarterback I'm going to be rocking with is going to be Justin Fields against Seattle. I had considered a little bit Jimmy Garoppolo against Tennessee, but I think that the Niners might just run the ball to death, and I don't think that Jimmy Garoppolo has very much upside. So leaning with Justin Fields. Justin Fields in a terrible game. Terrible, terrible performance. Like literally one of the worst performances 
I've watched on football, uh, Monday Night Football, in a long time. He still got 17 points. He has such a safe floor for fantasy, and this is why I really wanted him from Rick. So part of the reason why I got rid of Dalvin Cook, um, I am just, I love, I, I need the quarterback help so badly. That that uh, performance by Justin Fields last week, which was a terrible performance for fantasy, for real life, for everything, was the best quarterback performance I've had since week 10. Since week 10. My quarterback situation is a nightmare. It's it's just so bad. So I have to just rely on Justin Fields in this matchup, hope that he can do something, and yeah, we'll just pray that I can outscore Dak Prescott there. Now, running back, this is where it gets a little interesting. I have Miles Sanders going to get up against the Giants. Miles Sanders, uh, they pulled him from the game uh, yesterday night against the Washington football team and mostly just because they just want to keep him healthy for this game. I know that he has he was limited in practice. He was a non-participant in, in practice today because of quad injury, but he's just fine. They just aren't going to play. They're not going to practice anybody today basically because it's Wednesday. Normally it's a rest day. They just played last night. It's definitely a rest day. They might not practice tomorrow either. I would not be shocked by that. You know, this is a little bit of a unique situation. Typically, they say if you don't practice Wednesday and Thursday to be a little worried. But again, they just played two nights ago. He had, I think it was like 16 carries or 13 carries. It was 18 carries for 131 yards. And then they pulled him in the second half. So, yeah, I think he'll be more than fine when this game rolls around. So, definitely rolling with Miles Sanders. Somehow, the Philadelphia Eagles have gotten their run game just on track they are lightening it up from a run game perspective Miles Sanders he is killing me this year he has no touchdowns on the season no touchdowns he had 18 points last week with no touchdowns he is just <laughs> two weeks in a row he's at 18 points no touchdowns so he could absolutely go off in this matchup up against the Giants Giants run defense is a little bit better though so that is something to watch out for now in my running back two spot DeAndre Swift is who I'm hoping to rock this week against Ryan. DeAndre Swift is going up against Atlanta. Detroit just got their win against Arizona last week. They've had so many close games that, man, it's about time one of them came due. Um, And it was against the Cardinals, who were 10 and what, 10 and 4 at the time? So 10 and 3, maybe. So, yeah, it's it's a good week to be a Detroit fan after that performance. And hopefully DeAndre Swift can come back. He hasn't played in a month, basically. Uh, He's been off the last three weeks. And basically the entire game on Thanksgiving, he only played three three, uh, carries. So it was like one drive he he got in before he got pulled with the injury. So hopefully he's finally healthy. He's practicing today. So it's a very good sign that he's going to play this week. And it's against Atlanta, who absolutely got torched last week. I think that this is a very, very good matchup if he can actually play this week. So um, he's projected zero. Part of the reason why I'm a 20 point, I'm down 20 points on the uh, on the projections, but I think that's just fine. Now my my wide receivers, Keenan Allen up against Houston. Love that. Maybe no Austin Eckler. He has been questionable. Um, he missed practice yesterday and today. And they started practice early this week because they played last Thursday. So 
Uh, they should be more than rested. So the fact that he's still banged up after playing on Thursday is a little concerning, which means that Keenan Allen, again, if Austin Eckler misses any time, Keenan Allen just becomes a stud. Houston has nobody to shut down any pass catcher in this game. And uh, yeah, Keenan Allen has been on fire the last couple weeks. I mean, pretty much all season, his lowest, he hasn't had a game under 15 points since week six. So that was before the bye. Since the bye, they've come back. They've just absolutely fed him. He has been playing on fire. Um, So I do love to see that. So We'll see what he can do against Houston, plus matchup there. Somehow it's saying that he's he's only projected like 16 points. Ah, this is why I hate projections. They're so stupid. Now, C.D. Lamb up against Washington. This I do like having C.D. Lamb because he has Dak Prescott. Uh, last time he played Washington, he had seven catches for 61 yards. He had 10 targets, so... I think that that's pretty much in line. Ever since uh, he he came back, he missed the one game against Las Vegas a couple weeks ago, three weeks ago, um, or sorry, four weeks ago. But ever since, he's had basically double-digit targets every single week. Um, hoping to see that continue as they move forward. I think that they're at home against Washington, which will give him a little bit of a bump there as well. So I do like CeeDee Lamb in this matchup, but it will be a little bit of a tougher matchup. Might limit CeeDee Lamb's ceiling just a tiny bit in this matchup so um tight end i am going to be rocking dallas goddard uh, it was a it was a coin toss between him and kyle pitts detroit and this is where a few of the the games come into play dallas goddard the last couple weeks that he's played they had the week 14 by so in week 13 he played with gardner Minshew, had 30 points last week he had 21 points 21 and a half with jalen hurts but it was basically through two and a half quarters because, again, they pulled him and Miles Sanders in this one um, effectively. They they ran some routes, but they really just didn't even use them too much. And, yeah, the last time he played New York, though, he had three targets, one catch, no yards. So uh, it's not great. I might swap out him for Kyle Pitts, and that is where I'll get into my two flexes because my flexes right now, I do have Kyle Pitts in my flex, and I have Devontae Parker up against New Orleans. Devontae Parker up against New Orleans, I don't love it, but I think that he'll be just fine. Parker, ever since he's been able to get back, um, he missed like half the season because of injury, but every every time he's played, he's had 7, 9, 7, 9, 11, 5, 8 targets. I mean, it's he's basically a target monster when he's out on the field. Two likes to throw to him. And uh, I do love that against New Orleans, where I think that they're going to, it's going to be a closer game. So I think that they're going to have to throw a little bit more to try and win this one. They won't, there's no way that Miami's going to be able to get up early on New Orleans and just kind of control this one like they would like to. So um, definitely playing Devontae Parker in one of my flex. And plus, if I get to win with Devontae Parker, it's just a plus right there. I, I always liked Devontae Parker. So being able to win with them is just a uh, it's a very nice feeling for that reason. Now, the biggest thing that I'm thinking through, and I haven't fully decided just yet, is my second flex spot. Right now I have Kyle Pitts. I am contemplating trying to find a way to get Jeff Wilson Jr. up against Tennessee in there over uh, either Dallas Goddard or Kyle Pitts. I don't know which one I would pull 
Um, I wish I knew if DeAndre Swift was playing because if he's not playing, Jeff Wilson Jr. is in auto start for this week. So uh, I would love to play Swift over Jeff Wilson Jr., but man, Jeff Wilson had a blow-up week last week. Elijah Mitchell is out this week yet again. So it's looking like it's going to be very, very good. I mean, he averaged 5.2 per carry last week, had a touchdown. He averaged 4.3 the week before, no touchdown. So it really just depends on what I'm going to get there. If if he can get a touchdown, it's gravy. If he can't, then I might get busted. So um, it's a boom-bust play for sure. Van Jefferson up against Minnesota is another consideration. Uh, Van Jefferson had a little bit of a down week, only had two targets last week. He's only had uh, five targets the last two weeks. Um, don't love that, really, to be honest with you, but it's they might just be kind of rotating the other guys in. He does have Odell Beckham Jr., who he didn't do too well last week, only 1.7 points up against Seattle, but yeah, I think that he'll be more than fine in this one. The one you really want is Cooper Cup anyway, so it doesn't really matter there. Now, yeah, that's so the biggest question is Kyle Pitts. He's going up against Detroit. It is a very, very good matchup. Kyle Pitts is on pace right now to break the rookie uh, receiving yardage, receiving catches record set by Mike Mike Ditka back in like the 70s or 80s or whenever he played, 60s. Honestly, I don't remember when Ditka played, but um, he is on pace to break that record by Ditka. The problem with Kyle Pitts, he has one touchdown on the season. It is absolutely crazy. I mean, last week he had four for 77, 11.7 points. The week before, five for 61. I mean, he has multiple, multiple games over, basically in the double digits, which you're more than fine with as a tight end because tight ends are garbage, right? He's tight end five on the season. Dallas Goddard is tight end six on the season, but I feel like Dallas Goddard has been a little bit more consistent than Kyle Pitts has. He doesn't have the ceiling that Kyle Pitts has. Except for the last couple of weeks, we have seen a little bit of that. But the fact that Kyle Pitts has, Dallas Goddard right now has one, two, three, four touchdowns. He has four touchdowns compared to one for Kyle Pitts. I mean, you give three more touchdowns to Kyle Pitts, it's not even close. He might be the number four overall tight end, which is just crazy because uh, George Kittle's number three and he's barely ahead of Kyle Pitts. So, yeah, it it, it kind of stinks. We'll see it, who I ultimately choose. Detroit, again, is a very plus matchup. Dallas Goddard against the Giants is a little scary. I don't love playing Sanders and Dallas Goddard in this one, but we'll see how that goes. I have to make a deci- decision on Jeff Wilson Jr. by tomorrow because he does play against Tennessee. So, again, I might put him in over DeAndre Swift and then just pull Kyle Pitts or Dallas Goddard for DeAndre Swift. When the time comes, that's ultimately the decision that I'll make. But yeah, it's going to be a long weekend. If I can pull out the upset over Ryan, I will be very, very happy. But yeah, I'm not loving my chances as of right now, but anything is possible. So didn't think I was going to win against Eric. Got a little lucky. And uh, hopefully, like I said, I am pulling for myself and for James. Hopefully both of us can be in the in the playoff championship, playing each other for the title. 
that would be a lot of fun because uh, screw Dan and Ryan. You guys have had enough. Four seasons. You guys each have two, I believe. So uh, no more. It's it's someone else's turn. You know, your parents taught you to share. At least I thought they did. You know, we're we're I'm a parent now. I'm trying to teach my boys to share. So you know, I'm just I'm just saying, you guys gotta start sharing that title sometime soon. Just gotta share it. All right. No back talk. Just let someone else have a turn. All right. But anyway, thank you guys so much for listening. Good luck this week. Hopefully this week has a lot more touchdowns than uh, than week 15, which was an anomaly. Uh, it was a really, really weird, weird week. And one thing I do want to say, just to toot my own horn a little bit, um, I, I like fantasy football. Most people in the office know this. And I'm involved with the fantasy Twitter and um, all that stuff quite a bit. And a lot of the times, so many people give just such bad advice. I do want to toot my own horn a little bit in just in the fact that I think that record does matter a little bit when it comes to dynasty and giving advice because of the fact that I'm in seven leagues right now, two of them. I'm in full rebuild. I never wanted to make playoffs. I like did not try to win at all this year uh, just because I wanted to basically tank my pick for next season. Right. I was, I was, I sold a lot of really good players like, um, in one league, I sold, uh, who did I sell? I sold um, Antonio Gibson. I have no running backs to start in that league because I bought J.K. Dobbins. I bought um, Cam Akers. I bought ETN. I bought a bunch of guys that are on IR right now intentionally, DJ Chark, just so that I could get them cheaper and punt on the season, right? Bought Trey Lance in that league. So I write off two leagues completely. In the other five leagues that I'm in, only one of them I didn't make playoffs in. That one league was an anomaly. My team was like fourth in points scored on the season, and I was two games out from playoffs, which is just crazy. I was I finished the season with a record of uh, seven and seven. The sixth place team had a record of nine and what nine and five or nine yeah nine and five. I was two games behind sixth place. Six teams had a record of nine and five or better which is crazy for fantasy football. So um, the fact that I lost in that one while being fourth highest in points, it was a little bit of an anomaly. So like I said, tune my own horn here a little bit. But the four leagues that I made playoffs in, all four of them I'm in the top four. Two of them I'm favored this week. Two of them I am the underdog. So um, we'll see how it goes. We'll see how many of them I can win. If I can, last year I had a really good, record. Um, I think I was in the, the top two in four out of five leagues, top two and four out of five. Um, so I've added two more and like I said, two of them are in full rebuild. So, uh, but yeah, I do want to say, I think the record matters when you, when you give fantasy advice and if you don't have a good record year to year, then what are you telling people? How are people supposed to trust you? And, and, uh, this is more for the people not in the office. You know, you guys, are usually only in like one or one dynasty league, maybe a couple of redraft leagues. So I don't really like doing redraft advice too much because it changes too much year to year. But for dynasty, there needs to be a baseline, something that you measure against how to, how to judge whether you're a good uh, dynasty analyst or basically good at giving advice or if you are, uh, if you're not. So like I said, I want to toot my horn a little bit there. 
Um, we'll see on those two that I'm in full rebuild, how quickly I can, I can turn that around. They're very high dollar leagues. So I think between the two buy-ins, it's like 500 bucks. So I don't like wasting a year of that. Uh, don't love that at all. But luckily the one that I'm in full rebuild, I won last year. So that kind of paid for this year, which was not too bad, but yeah, definitely don't want to rebuild forever in that one. So I'm definitely trying to get better ASAP, but, uh, yeah, just wanted to toot my own horn a little bit there. And I know that a lot of people are complaining about this week, but somehow I managed to win in four leagues. I, I don't know that it seems to be a, uh, a streak of mine where I, I kind of make the right matchup choices year on year. So, um, again, thank you guys for listening. Good luck in your matchups this week. I hope Dan and Ryan just absolutely fall off a cliff. I hope you guys are playing for three and four, and it's uh, completely worthless for you guys, and me and James are riding this thing to the end. So uh, until then, James, you're my best friend. Next week, you'll be my mortal enemy because either way, we're probably playing, (laughs) whether it's uh, one and two or three and four, we're probably going to be playing each other. So uh, for now, good luck and uh, have a good night. 